Well, hello there. My name is Jan Burt, and this is my podcast, The Burt Not Ernie Show, where we talk about God's promises and the hope those promises bring to our everyday lives. Whenever I meet somebody new, I introduce myself as Jan Burt and say, like Burt and Ernie, since it's easy to confuse my last name with a different one. And almost always, people smile when they think of Burt and Ernie. That got me thinking. I'm a Burt, and I'm not an Ernie. But how often do we live as if we're someone God never meant for us to be? Part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Hence the name, The Burt Not Ernie Show. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dig into God's promises. Hey, well, hello again, everyone. Welcome back to this episode of The Burt Not Ernie Show. Um, Hey there and hi-de-ho from me, Jan Elbert. I'm so glad you're here for episode 59 Uh, you know, getting the promises of God into the people of God. One verse, one podcast episode, one prayer, one social media post at a time, bit by bit. Let's just keep building the truth of God's promises into our lives by getting the word of God into our hearts and minds, like to think according to God's promises. Let's just keep deepening our belief that God's promises are indeed true for us right here right now in the day and age in which we find ourselves living. You know, if you have been experiencing kind of like a ramped up spiritual battle, maybe um, sensing a heaviness, does it ever feel like maybe a a heaviness has been thrown over your life and it's like a wet, just sodden wool blanket? It's heavy. Um, you know, you're not the only one. There seems to be a push of evil that it feels accelerated somewhat. And, you know, maybe I'm the only one dealing with this. Maybe, I don't think so, maybe. But, you know, the more I speak about God's word on this podcast, on social media, um, at conferences, like I just spoke at the For Such a Time as This Summit live twice last week. And I was like, I was pretty bold. I felt like I was next level bold for me, uh, just talking about, about Jesus and how important it is to live for him in a culture that in many ways doesn't want a holy God presented to them. They just don't, they in many ways don't want to see that. They don't want to know about that. They don't want to deal with that. Uh, You know, um, maybe that's enough to get the enemy's blows thrown my way, but I don't think I'm the only one. I have a feeling other people, in fact, I know other people are going through similar things, but Here's the thing that I I was really thinking about yesterday. Um, If we never talk about it, we end up feeling like we're the only ones. And my husband and I will talk about it. My kids and I will talk about it. I just talked to my son uh, about this thing just yesterday. Um, If you never talk about it, you can end up feeling like you're the only ones. I'm blessed. I have a family and I have a, a kind of a core friend group of people who really do talk about these things with me. They don't sweep stuff under the rug. They're very willing to pray for me, to pray with me, to remind me of what God's word says. Um, I'm not doing it alone. And I hope that you're not doing the hardships of life alone or the, or the blessings and the great times of life alone. We need to celebrate well together. And also, you know, I think it's Romans. I know it's Romans. I'm not going to know the exact address, the specific reference, but uh, we need to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. We don't want to never talk about things that, that really matter in our lives. And sometimes we only talk about the surface stuff, the superficial stuff. So, you know, if Satan had his way, he would have us all thinking that our prayers don't matter. 
that we're the only ones going through this, that our work for the Lord is insignificant, that nothing is being accomplished. If he had his way, he would have all of us thinking that our very lives don't matter. Think about the Lord of the Rings trilogy and think about, um, you know, when King Theoden said, if you'd had your way, you'd have had me crawling on my hands and knees. You know, that really is a representation of how low Satan would have us to go if we let him. You know, that's a lie. Your life matters tremendously. Your prayers matter. They're being heard by the God of the universe. Your work for the Lord is making a difference. Satan is constantly going to tell you that's not true. When you feel like you're the only one dealing with an intense spiritual battle, man, the devil has a much better chance of getting you to believe his lies. So I want you to know you are not alone. And uh, hey, you know, let me be the first to say I want to be a lot more honest about this particular struggle with what I am dealing with at any given time as a follower of Christ. And I want to pray for other people even more and more intently and ask other people to pray for me. Can we just remind one another what God's word has to say to encourage each other and to be totally in each other's corner and just see that we're part of the family of God. And, uh, you know, and be honest that even for introverts, even for extreme introverts like me, the the distancing from COVID, it has taken a toll. Let, let me know if you have been feeling that too. If you've been experiencing any increased enemy workings, heaviness, if just the aloneness or the, the separation has begun to kind of weigh on you a little bit, you know, shoot me a direct message or something. Let me know. Uh, and then remember, you're not the only one dealing with this. You're not. If you feel as if you are, that is a lie. And it's a lie that comes straight from the pit of hell. You need to know, you need to know that you know, that you know, that you know, that all of those who are seeking hard after Jesus are dealing with similar things. Let's pray for revival in our land, for hearts to be softened and turned toward the Lord. Let's pray for um, people that, from the hand of Jesus, just to, just to touch people at their point of need and to show them that the loneliness um, and the oppression they're feeling, it is not what God wants for them, that there's a God that loves them. Let's pray for that, for, for people to be turned from darkness to the Lord. Uh, when you turn to the Lord Jesus, who is the light of the world, you can see what you couldn't see in the darkness. Let's pray for your fellow believers, for protection, for extra measures of grace, and to just have the time to rest in the love of the Lord and to know just to know his presence, just to be with him. And of course, let's pray for prayers to be answered. And I mean it, like, let's pray that people's heartfelt prayers would be answered quickly and not delayed. The book of Daniel teaches us that answers to prayers can come by means of like angels and the angels can be delayed by demonic forces in the spiritual realm. It's true. Look it up, you know, like lemony sticket, look it up, bookworm, and read it for yourself if you'd like. But Pray that the enemy will be hindered in all of his his attempts to hinder God's answers to our prayers, to slow them down. We can't stop it, but, um, you know, we can pray that answers come quickly. Okay, well, wow, that was a lengthy intro here, but I think it was worth a couple of minutes of time. So just, it's important to remind one another that we're not alone. You are not alone, period. You're just flat not alone. Okay, let's take a look at a verse from the New Testament today. Um, we're going to be um, back toward the end of our Bibles in First John, way toward the end. Such a great book, really full of comfort and truth and encouragement and just love. It's just saturated with the love of the Lord. First John 4, 4 from the Amplified says this, 
of course, amplified, right? Little children, believers, dear ones, you are of God and you belong to him and have already overcome them, them being the agents of the Antichrist, because he who is in you is greater than he, Satan, who is in the world. And, and then it says the world meaning of sinful mankind. Okay, so it doesn't mean like Satan's living in, in the trees and the create, created world. It means the sinful aspects of a fallen world. Okay. Isn't it just so wonderful to see right here from the word of God that we're addressed as little children, as dear ones, as dear ones. Think about little children in your family, maybe in your, your church gathering, your congregation, just the way they're kind of doted on. They're, they're held dear. They're more delicate. You're just more careful with them. You really, um, you're much more likely to get down on their level to talk with them, to pick them up and give them a hug when they fall down and scrape their knee. They're just, when, when we're being addressed here as little children, as dear ones, it's just a poignant reminder that we have an Abba father and he loves us so dearly. John goes on to say, then you are of God and you belong to him and have already overcome them. And the them he's referring to are the agents of the Antichrist. That's what it says. Uh, earlier in this chapter, 1 John chapter 4, he writes that many deceivers, many false prophets and false teachers have gone out into the world to do their work of deception. And like, he's talking about like, um, well done deception. This isn't necessarily the stuff that's like, really in your face and you see it coming from a mile away, that's not really deception. That might be an attempt to derail you, but deception is sneaky. And, um, you know, when deception is, is done the way Satan wants it done, it's done well. It works. It accomplishes its goal. In verse three, John gives us some insight into how to know if somebody is a deceiver. And I'm actually just going to read that right now. First John Four verse three says this from the Amplified, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus, acknowledging that he has come in the flesh, but would deny any of the son's true nature is not of God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and now is already in the world. So anyone who denies any of the son of God's true nature, any aspect of his true nature, they're not of God, but that's the spirit of the Antichrist at work in them. You know, that's a verse that we could really talk about for a while. But I mean, just think about that um, on your own, of your own accord, and let it be the place where you kind of understand what John is talking about in verse four. It's just, we're focusing on verse four. So let's just look briefly at verse three for context, because context matters. Um, and in verse four, he's talking about the spirit of the Antichrist who, according to this verse, or in verse three, he's talking about, he's talking about anybody who is kind of working along with the Antichrist, is going to tell you things about the Son of God's true nature, who he actually is. It's going to tell you things contrary to that, right? And that spirit is is already at work in this world. And beautifully, according to verse 4, we, it's already has been overcome, has already been overcome. So there's the comfort, huge promise there. Even though it is a real thing and we have a real enemy at work, really all over the place, and that means really among Christians, right? Um, the deceiver is working to deceive everybody, but that includes believers. He wants to he wants to get us frustrated and uh, maybe you know get us get us uh, thinking wrongly, doubting God, questioning God. Go all the way back to Genesis um, when Adam and Eve began to question God. Did God really say, because the serpent, Satan, that old devil, 
told them, you know, dropped, dropped something in their mind, dropped something in their ear, an idea there that maybe God was holding out on them, right? He's always going to be doing that f- toward everybody, but toward the church too. But we've already, he's already been overcome because of Jesus. So, and here's where we discover dun, 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 the big promise for us. How do we overcome? How is it that we have already overcome the evil one who is at work in this world? Because the one who is in us is greater than the one who is in the world. Jesus in us is greater than Satan in the world around us. And we do not always live like that's that's a hard and fast, absolute true rule. If you are a follower of Jesus and Jesus in you is greater than all of the work that Satan is doing in the entirety of the world all around you, Jesus in us is greater. He is greater than the evil one. He is greater than all of the evil going on in the world all the time. The evil that might be, that's, um, it's, it's everywhere. It's prevalent, right? Because of just the way things are technologically, we know so much more than we used to know about things in the world, the good and the bad. And sometimes the bad can be like, whoo, sometimes you just have to take a break and step back, give it to the Lord and, uh, you know, breathe a little bit, rest in his presence. Because it can be a lot. The evil can be a lot. It's heart breaking. It's heavy. It's everywhere. But, but Jesus in us is greater than all of that. We only know a portion. As much as we know now, we only know a portion of all the evil that there is. And Jesus in us is greater. He who is in you is greater than all of it. All of it in us over what's around us. One trumps all. Those two words, greater than, the two words greater than are words that do some shaking. They bring things under the lordship of Jesus. Have you ever said those words out loud, like right in the middle of a trying situation or thought them or prayed them? Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Greater than. Maybe your thoughts wander regularly and you find yourself thinking about things from your past. Um, You know, maybe before you knew the Lord, before your salvation, there's something that's like, oh, I really wish I hadn't done that. That was so terrible. Maybe you tend to ponder all the what ifs of life. This could happen and that could happen to me, to my kids, to my parents as they're getting older, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe you keep returning to a bad experience with somebody, like somebody just done did you wrong and you're flat ticked off at them and it just keeps showing up in your thoughts. Have you ever said, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world and just had your thinking, your mood do a total 180? Something shifted. The demonic pressure that you were feeling, and trust me, when you're thinking on things that are under the blood of Jesus that you have repented of and received forgiveness for, when those things are on your mind again and again, and you're just kind of living under those thoughts, those bad memories, that's demonic. I'm not speaking too out of turn here. I'm just not. If it's under the blood of Jesus and it comes back up in your mind, just sort of poof, appears in your thoughts out of nowhere, then that is from the evil one. 100% from Satan to saying, saying these words from 1 John 4, 4 can send the enemy running Uh, I'm going to change that. We'll send the enemy running. I'm so serious. I have seen this happen again and again and again. Um, you know, the, it works. Isn't that like a, what is that? Is that like a thing on a news thing to check out whether or not infomercial stuff really works? It does it work or it works. This works. This works. Okay. So maybe somebody tell me what that it works thing is from. That's like, I'm really wondering now it's not from the news infomercial. That's does it work? What is the it works thing from? Somebody's got to tell me it's going to drive me wonky if I don't 
if I don't figure it out. And I'm not going to Google it. I'm going to wait for somebody to tell me. Okay, so maybe you need to memorize this first. First John 4, 4 for yourself. It's not hard to memorize. I think you should maybe consider memorizing it to have it in your arsenal and you're ready to roll. It's locked and loaded. You can draw down at any moment and use the weapon of the word of God to defeat your enemy. I would say memorize it in whatever translation um, that your Bible is that you read like on the daily basis, right? And if you don't daily read your Bible, well, start, get busy. Your Bible is not for Sunday mornings and then maybe to carry along to small group, but you know, you never open it to small group because, you know, uh, you know, you start with the chit chat and you're talking about, you know, whatever, what kind of, where you got those sale on shoes and et cetera, et cetera. And then you don't want to be the one to pull out your Bible. So you don't open it and you just kind of, yeah, look, it's not for that. It's not for that. And I'm not saying all sm- small groups are that way. I'm saying we've all been in that situation where, um, you, you go to small group and it's supposed to be on this point, And then you just start talking. And before you know it, the time's pretty much up and you never open the word of God. It's not to carry along with you. It's to read. It's to read. And, you know, don't just bring your Bible along because you think you ought to bring it along because you, it's the living word. It's a sword of the spirit. And uh, you want to open it. And you want to read it, right? If there's a verse that someone quotes, nothing wrong with opening your Bible and reading it yourself. If it's in the book you're reading through, open it and read it yourself. If it's on a little video session, open it and read the verse for yourself in your translation. Just somehow that can really, rather than just, faith does come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But, uh, you know, that's talking about us being in the word of God. It's not talking about when your thoughts are wandering and you're not really watching the video at the small group and you kind of hear the verse, but kind of don't, I want you to really make it your own, Uh, make God's word, um, make yourself pay attention when God's word is being talked about. Okay. That's a good way to say it. Okay. So it is to be dug into every single day. So if you're not, then, Hey, start, you know, seriously. And then if you take your time in God's word seriously, and you read it every single day, then when you go to small group, you can have God's word stored up in your heart. You can share a verse when somebody is talking about a really tough situation. You can encourage them. You can pray God's word when the prayer time comes around and really be a blessing to the people around you. Um, You know, you can give somebody a verse for whatever spiritual temptation they're fighting or dealing with. You can get, um, sometimes you can even get the focus of the group back onto the Lord Jesus and praying for one another and and so on. Uh, This is not in conflict with what I said earlier about being honest about the things we're dealing with. I'm not saying you want to shut down honest conversation. Uh, No, 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 no. That's not what I mean. I'm talking about when the whole group just is talking about a shopping spree to, you know, Kansas City or something, and it just goes that way for 40 minutes. That's when you need to speak God's word and pray God's word. Um, Maybe, okay, you want to speak God's word and pray God's word when somebody is sharing a genuine hardship. We want to encourage that. When we're just getting derailed with other things, we want to speak God's word to get us back on track somehow, or just pray, Lord, get us back on track, because, you know, I really want people to be encouraged today. Sometimes somebody comes with I'm just going to say this. It's so important. Somebody, sometimes someone comes to small group and they've just got one of the biggest heartbreaks of their life taking place all around them. And that can be the time when the enemy will get everybody interested in talking about um, the new restaurant in town or something. And they may not have the ability. They may be, it's such a brokenhearted state. They may not have the ability to say, Hey, I just need to talk about this. I need, I'm here tonight for this specific reason. I almost didn't come because I'm just so broken over this. 
that is when Satan is going to get us going on another rabbit trail. So pray that you would maybe be the one who's sensitive in the group to uh, see the hurt in somebody else's eyes and to just ask them how they're doing. And that can be enough right there to steer it back to where you can pray over them and get the group um, back on track in the sense of really ministering well and being the body of Christ to one another. Okay. Um, so in that way, you know, a, a small group is a fine name for it when you're talking about fellowship and things, but man, I really love the phrase Bible study because it hones in on what we're really there for to be the church in each other's lives. So, okay. Um, all right. So I think you can see what I mean when you, when I mentioned that I'm a little bit fiery, like when I spoke at that, that summit last week, I'm fiery lately. I don't know what the deal is, but woo, uh, I'm like bolder and even more loudmouthed about things like this. So uh, eek, sorry, um, but also not sorry. You know, we have to take God's word seriously. So talk about your new shoes after the Bible study is over if you really need to, but don't let it dominate the gathering. Enough said. Okay. Now the next verse, first John four, four, and then we're going to think about verse five. It goes into those who teach bad doctrine and describes them as those who are in the world. This is serious stuff, folks. We tend to think of those who are in the world as those who don't want anything at all to do with God. They want nothing to do with his church. They don't want you buying them a Bible as a gift. But if John is talking about people who are teaching bad doctrine, well, that's not those who want nothing to do with the Lord then. That's folks in the churches, in our churches, or trying to get in. Are they speaking from the viewpoint of the world? Do they ridicule the values of the upright? I am getting these exact phrases from the Amplified Version of verse 5. Are they speaking from the viewpoint of the world? Or are they speaking from the viewpoint of God's word? Are they um, ridiculing the values of the upright? Do they demand compliance with their opinions? A controlling spirit is like a, like witchcraft and sorcery, says the word of God. So if someone who's overly controlling, you can pray that that would be just kind of nixed. Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, not one man trying to control everybody else around them or one woman. Okay, don't be gullible and, um, you know, in this. Don't be, don't be, like, if the word of God says it, it means it. And it hasn't shifted through time. Things in the spiritual realm have not changed. Like, okay, that was for 2,000 years ago. But today, if somebody ridicules the values of the upright, they can come speak to our small group. Not a good idea. Not a good plan. Pay super close attention to... um to what people say. My husband often says, people tell you who they are. He says the Lord really impressed that on his heart. I uh, he was dealing with a situation uh, once and was like, well, it seems to be this is who they are, but I want to believe better. And my husband believes the best about people. It's a very noble characteristic. That's not a bad thing. Not just believing, not just seeing them for where they are, but seeing them for who they can be, what their potential is in the Lord, who Jesus wants them to be. But sometimes he just doesn't want to, um, he feels like, maybe being a little more guarded of who fully has access to all of his time can come across as being someone who doesn't care. And my husband does care. That's not who he is at all. But you just don't want to um, be, if people tell you who they are, they're telling you who they are. So maybe don't be gullible in that way. Just don't. Be mature. Be in the word daily, right? Pray for discernment and protection. And when you come up against this kind of stuff, don't be afraid of it. Verse six says that whoever is not of God, is not going to listen to the people of God. That's 1 John 4, 6. 
Whoever is not of God is not going to listen to the people of God, to those who do teach sound doctrine, who take God's word seriously and don't mix in the world's value system and make it something God never intended for it to be. When something is stated clearly in the Bible, who in the world am I to add to it? To try and like pretty it up. We do that sometimes, right? Who? Why does it need to be prettied up? Is what Jesus endured the night he was betrayed and on the cross, was that pretty? Uh, you know, we're, we're in Easter week here. Was that pretty what happened that week? It's the price of sin. The wages of sin is death. And Jesus paid the wages that were due. He paid it all. Lord, help us if Jesus's church keeps on trying to pretty up what he did for us. Sin, it's just ugly. The price that had to be paid for it is ugly. Death is ugly. It's damaging. Sin is damaging and it will kill everything good in this world. If it had its way, if Satan had its way, he would use sin to kill off every good thing in this world. It, it comes if it, if sin comes from Satan and it does right. I mean, yeah, in the flesh we can sin without Satan, but uh, before Satan's mm, interruption in the Garden of Eden, there was no sin, right? So if sin comes from a dark place, then uh, you know it's ugly. So let it be ugly, right? And when we let people see, like, there's nothing wrong with you having a life that says sin is ugly. It stole a lot from me. It stole a lot from my loved ones and it cost Jesus his life, right? Sin is ugly. It's okay to let it be ugly. When we let people see with open eyes just how ugly their sin is, they're much more likely to be moved by the cross than when we just try to pretty it up. I I did, when I was lost, I did not need to know that I was basically a good person. I needed to know that Jesus died for me and that those feelings I was experiencing of like grief over my sins and the and the trajectory, the course of my life, those feelings were actually a gift from the Lord because that's what he was using to draw me to himself, draw me to himself so he could rescue me from the kingdom of darkness and transfer me into the kingdom of his glorious light of his son, Jesus. Let's allow people to come into the kingdom and receive that freedom that comes when their burden is lifted. How's our burden going to be lifted if we try to pretty it up so much they never know they have a burden? Hmm, food for thought there. Um, I want people to have the weight of their sin gone thanks to Jesus. That's what happened for me. So let's welcome that and not just overly pretty it up. I have seen many people who were kind of coddled, so to speak, who were given that prettied up stuff. Um, You know, maybe I've seen cases where somebody really just wanted to be their friends. They're popular. I want to be their friends. And they never had any truth really spoken into their lives. And where there was truth and they had questions and they were seeking, I've seen it smoothed over uh, to an extent that... They ended up um, not being able to figure out whether or not this Jesus thing could re- if, whether, you know, this Jesus thing, I say that, you know, you know what I mean, whether or not this could really help them because they were in a place of pain and hurting and they weren't there to win a popularity contest, but they ended up drawn into some weird thing that they, they just weren't able to really uh have answers to their questions, right? So we don't want to coddle people and overly prettied up because when if if you have truth that you can speak into someone's life where they need it most, that can change their entire life now and for eternity. Or you can just not speak it and they can possibly end up walking away. I've seen it, walking away from the church and falling into deeper sin and living miserable lives and things are worse than they ever would have dreamed possible. If Jesus is the way and the truth and the life and he is, then it's best for seekers to find him as the way for them and the truth they need and the life they've been longing for. And that is not prettied up. That is completely, genuinely beautiful. Let's let it be beautiful and not try to to shellac it and make it 
pretty, and nicer. The cross is not about niceties. Because you are of God and you belong to him. You know the song, I belong to Jesus, I belong to him. Because you are of God and you belong to him. You've already come into agreement with Jesus that he conquered sin and death completely. So the word of God says you have overcome the agents of evil here. Back to verse four again. And because of that, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Don't live like a defeated person. Don't give Satan the pleasure. Don't give him the pleasure. This has already been settled at Calvary. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Greater than. Put whatever you want after that. Greater than a health issue. Greater than a mother-in-law who really dislikes you a whole lot. Greater than your problems at work. Greater than not being married yet when you really want to be. Greater than student loans. Greater than car problems. Greater than whatever you could possibly put there. Fill in the blank. Greater than. Really such good words. Such good words. Okay, so that is the end of today's episode. Let me check my time. Ooh, I'm rolling right up on half an hour. Um, I am all in for the April 2021 online prayer retreat. This is like really my only announcement today. It's going on now in my private Facebook group. Like it is starting uh, when I release this episode, it will be starting. So if you could maybe just cover me in prayer, I'm going to be speaking nine times in four days. I really don't want to misspeak. I get passionate and I don't want to misspeak. I just don't want to do that. Uh, but also that I would be bold as a lion and that um, the people who attend the prayer retreat would be spurred on to deeper prayer lives. Also, um, the summit I spoke at last week, I think they're going to keep having tickets like at an evergreen type thing for $15. I think not totally sure. I know right now they're available. I'll put the link in the show notes if you want to experience and um, see me speak and others. That'd be great. Go for it. Okay. Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. He will always, always be faithful to you. And I know that I know that you can and you should speak this verse, 1 John 4, 4, to your circumstances. Speak it to your life because it's true for you. It's your promise. I have never once not had the devil just hit the ground running and flee when speaking these words out loud. So speak it and speak it and speak it again as much as you need to. This promise is your promise, my friends. Have a blessed Easter Resurrection Sunday. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Celebrate well, whatever that looks like for you. Thankful for each one of you. Um, and remember, First John 4, 4 is like a check that you could cash again and again and again and again. So cash it, cash it, and cash it as often as you need to. I will see you back here next time for episode 60. 60. Wow. Okay. God bless you. Thanks for being here. Bye-bye. I'm so glad you joined me for this episode of the Burt Not Ernie Show. It's an honor and a blessing to talk about God's promises with you. Have a fabulous day. And remember, part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Lord bless. I'll see you next time.